0: good morning and welcome to the tuesday morning blitz it is the nfl division around the best weekend of football potentially that we have ever seen and that still pales in comparison to our excitement because for the first time in five weeks clinton and i reunited in the studio what's up buddy
1: i love football that was crazy i mean like bengal's titans feels like a week ago there was so much going on jackson and i were texting about that game back and forth a bunch uh i mean it's crazy that that's so far back on our radar because we had all walk-off game-winning plays, three walk-off field goals, an overtime touchdown, a near 27-3 to comeback, a back-and-forth for the ages on Sunday Night Football Saturday feels so far in the past, and I'm, I'm just so happy to be back in the studio for what is one of the most memorable f- weekends of football
0: in my lifetime. That was, you said it all, that was probably... The, f- the worst game of the weekend is the one that feels like it was forever ago and yet it was better than anything we saw the week before and we could absolutely have a 30-minute discussion of that Bengals-Titans game and we have to prevent ourselves from doing so because we have a habit of getting way too granular with these things so great to have you back it's it's always better when you can just kind of look at the guy across from you and, and we always laugh more when we're in the studio. So can't wait to get all the way into these games we'll go in reverse order we'll go just in like the order of how riveting these games were from start to finish and that really only leaves us with the option of breaking down the game the playoff game of the century so far in Bill's Chiefs last night and I don't think that's hyperbole at all
1: Listen, I'll put up twenty-eight to three up there, but I guess Super Bowls are in a different caliber of their own. That is,
0: yeah, it's it's different when it's at someone's home field as well. Like that always adds an, a, a wrinkle into it that the Super Bowl can't provide.
1: Yeah, that is one of the most insane contests of football I've ever borne witness to. I mean, <laughs> this is two quarterbacks at the peak of their powers, uh, just
0: oh my god! I
1: let's let's get into it.
0: <laughs> well, let's let's start off by just talking about the battle it was between these two quarterbacks. I mean, what can you say about either of them? Josh Allen, in a losing effort, goes for the .51 EPA per play, 37 for 47. Four touchdowns, no interceptions. His playoff stat line as a whole, I believe you're going to get into in a second, but nobody's ever done this much and still lost and it's a credit to the Chiefs but the you can't take a single thing away from what Josh Allen did this postseason to elevate himself to that elite elite tier of quarterback play
1: yeah it's it's the beauty and pain of playoff football it's I mean this is from John David Fraley on Twitter who just compiled Josh Allen's stat lines through uh his two games of this playoffs nine touchdowns zero interceptions 637 passing yards 134 rushing yards, 10.2 yards per pass attempt, zero turnovers, converted every fourth down, only sacked twice, only four drives for the Bills ended in punts, and put up a go-ahead TD against the Kansas City Chiefs on the road with 13 seconds left, and it goes 1-1. One one. I mean, football is, football is such a chaotic, beautiful game. It's, it. I'd be remiss not to just mention the efforts from so many people on this Bills team. I mean, what a breakout game for Gabriel Davis. I, like, Gabriel Davis, a defensive effort by some of these Bills players. Just, I, I mean, Matt Milano doing everything and above to keep them in this game. Just, I mean, football is just full of, you know, highs and heartbreaks. Those last 13 seconds, it's the Chiefs are... Just a juggernaut, man. I mean, how do you stop this indomitable machine?
0: When things are grim, be the grim reaper. And let's let's just talk about the irony real quick that it was Andy Reid having his timeouts left that saved the Chiefs in this game. Like talk about a reversal of fortunes from, <laughs> from the guy's history as a football coach. Like really things have just come full circle for this Chiefs team. Every single Chiefs fan that complained three years ago about the overtime rules in the AFC Championship against the Patriots can now have some closure. I wonder how those fans are feeling about the overtime rules today. I know you have a take on the overtime rules, which I would like for you to share with the people.
1: Yeah, I think I've arrived at the decision. As, as much as I, you know, after watching the Cowboys lose last week and having my Bills... Cowboys Super Bowl pick half um, dashed away. Uh, I wanted the Bills to win just for my own sake, Uh, but I've come to the realization that I'm an overtime purist. I think, you know, as much as people want to say, like, give teams both opportunities, uh, football is not an even game. It's not, you know, it's not like darts, or it's not like, bowling where everyone gets a turn you have to have equal opportunity possession is a privilege not a right uh you know the bills have to make a stop there like the bills have to make a stop at 13 seconds the bills should have made a stop in overtime if you end up playing good defense then this is a different game and the bills are you know hosting the bengals next weekend i don't think it it sucks that it has to come down to a pure 50 50 chance and you have to worry about that but if you're, if you get that short end of the stick, earn the ball back, and I don't think that's like too hot to take. What's the alternative to? Do we want to go college football where it's? I, I, I think I was talking to Jackson about this. The respective overtimes serve their audience. College wants to drum up as much drama and energy as possible. I feel like you know you feed off the fans more. It you know it creates these insane scenarios but in the NFL it's a it's a contest of both strengths the Bills have the number one defense by DVOA in football they should have held the Chiefs in 13 seconds they should have held them to you know force them to at least take a you know a longer field goal or try and hold them out of field goal zone and if it comes down to overtime at that point like be the number one defense in football. Like, try and contain the Chiefs. This is the most vulnerable the Chiefs have been. Like, earn the ball back. You shouldn't have to rely on overtime to just, you know, give you the ball back and give you a second shot. As as much fun as it would be to see this game go on forever, like, you know, that's football isn't fair.
0: And I, not only they're the number one defense in DVOA, they're the number one defense in yards, in points allowed, and in third down efficiency. And if you can't get a stop under 2 minutes at any point and in overtime. Patrick Mahomes, this is probably my favorite stat from the game. Mahomes threw for 177 yards after the 2 minute warning <laughs> in the fourth quarter. Like, that's, what what else are you going to do at that point? Like you've you've got to earn something on defense and I don't hate like I I I I've come around on your take as well. Like I think the overtime rules serve the audience and as much as we'd love to see Josh Allen possess that ball in overtime, It's got to be on his defense to earn it back for him. And they couldn't do it. And, you know, one more thing I'll just point out is that I think we can officially eliminate the phrase, Tails never fails, because I can think of three insanely consequential coin flips in NFL football in my lifetime. You have Super Bowl 51, you have Pat's Chiefs AFC Championship game three years ago, and you have last night. Heads, heads, heads. I, we, we can stop talking about it it's it's we got to start calling heads every time now
1: or we can just chalk it up to the fact that it is truly 50 50 nope. and having <laughs> <laughs> and having just a a weird uh pseudonym not pseudonym uh having a weird turn of phrase for what the right coin flip decision is just chalk it up to the fact that it is 50 50 rod it Ride heads or tails either way, one side and just hope for the best. It's It all comes down to bounces. It's just like the game of football. <laughs> Fumbles are won and lost on bounces. Crazy interceptions are won and lost on bounces. Touchdowns are caught like that. Coins are the same way. However it lands, it lands.
0: Well, we don't need to overanalyze the coin trust toys. <laughs> <laughs> but what we should, we should analyze is the Buffalo Bills not winning at all in a season like this where Allen put together that type of performance in the postseason. I think that Obviously, there's a lot of hope for the future in Buffalo, but I don't want to minimize what a massive blown opportunity this has to feel like and, and how sorry we feel for those fans waking up in western New York these next couple of days just having to live with the reality that this team with this quarterback wasn't able to get it done, and now you have to go through another long winter thinking about a horrible Chiefs loss. Yeah, I mean, it
1: defense is more volatile and more prone to regression than offenses you can maintain a top 10 top five offense for longer than you can maintain a top five top 10 defense uh pff's eric eager was talking about this on twitter this loss for the bills is different than the one for the 2018 chiefs who by the way have now been to four straight afc championships have hosted yeah four straight championships hosted four afc championships in mahomes's uh, four full years of starting a quarterback, which is mind-boggling. Uh, but Eager was talking about the fact that this is different for the Bills than it was the 2018 Chiefs when they lost in overtime to the Patriots. That team had one of the worst defenses in football. Patrick Mahomes is in his rookie season. Uh, not rookie season, but proverbial rookie season. It was his first full year starting. Uh, going up against Tom Brady, uh, just a litany of different things going on. Uh, this Bills team was number one in defense. This Bill's team is firing on all cylinders. You can't get a much better performance out of Josh Allen than this one. You, you listen, Gabriel Davis had a mind blowing game. This is about as close as you can get to a game ball and a losing effort, uh, especially out of a guy like him. Like, what a, what a fantastic game! Uh, but you can't, like, I don't know how much better Josh Allen can play. I don't know how much better these offensive weapons can get. And defense is bound to regress at some point. You can, you can maintain a strong effort. McDermott's an incredible defensive head coach. Uh, and they've got the tools to you know, continue going forward. Having Tredavious White is going to make a big difference. But also, they didn't really drop off too far with Tredavious White. I think the uh, QBR allowed only went up by a few points uh, from you know, high 60s to low 70s. Uh, you can't really get a much better situation than this. And maybe Javius White plays a better game on Tyree Kill than this, and it makes a bit of a difference. But it's you're not going to get much closer than this. I don't know how much more you can add unless you're building a, a straight-up juggernaut. This and,
0: is, and not to, I mean, to belabor the point, but Dable's gone too. That's oh, yeah. One. That's... He's getting a head coaching job. But this is also a team that was built to beat the Chiefs, and they got so close... 13 seconds close. Yeah, should have gone for the head. <laughs> well, we've there's so much more we could say about this game. We'll probably touch on it more throughout the podcast, but four games to talk about. We're going to have to move on, and there are still three great football games for us to dissect, and we'll go to Rams-Bucks, 27-3, to so close for Tom Brady pulling off another meme of the decade, of the century, whatever you want to call it. But ultimately the Cooper Cup downfield, it's its like the guy's just having a season that you can't top and ultimately it leads to his team making an NFC championship appearance in their home stadium which will probably be 90% full of Niners fans. Kale, how did the Rams get this thing done? I mean, listen, the back and forth, I, I, this is
1: this was the most it, like, before Bill's Chiefs, obviously <laughs> this is the most insane football game I've ever seen. The stretch of Tom Brady strip sack into, uh, the snap over the head of Matt Stafford. What was that? (laughs) Oh my God. Into, uh, turnover on downs, the missed 49 yard field goal, another turnover (laughs) on (laughs) downs, three and out, touchdown, fumble, touchdown. And, and then that last little bit, I believe, uh, it was either, uh, Sean Murphy Bunting or Antoine Winfield, uh had slipped on the turf, covering Cooper Cup on that first catch, and then the second catch, they go... I think the Bucs go cover zero. Bruce Arians was talking about after the fact, they were trying to go full-out blitz on Stafford. There was a miscommunication on field that led to just a completely blown coverage, and it leaves Cooper Cup wide open for a 44-yard ball to Winfield. And it's just... it's gone, like, and game over from there. And you're getting, like... my game was delayed uh, from just my streaming service, and Jackson and I were not watching the game at the same time. And I was texting Jackson about how the field goal that Sean McVay took was going to bite the Rams because it, you know, it set the Bucks up with just enough time to get in. Lo and behold, they end up scoring with the first play, it left a little too much time on the clock. Who thought forty-two seconds was going to be enough time to score, let alone thirteen seconds? This game yesterday was insane, <laughs> but. I thought the biggest, I really thought the biggest issue for the Rams, especially headed into overtime, was just the fact that their kicker, Matt Gay, was going to be, like, he was banged up, he was injured. And if it came down to a field goal in overtime, the Bucks had this. And just that blown coverage gets them to Tampa Bay's 12, and then it becomes a 30-yard chip shot. His longest on the day was 40, so you know he can make that, and he was probably... Two or three yards short on that missed, uh, that missed field goal late. The uh, the forty-seven yarder, not forty-nine from before. Uh, it was a forty-seven yard field goal, but like that was probably two yards short. And you just you can't let up a forty-four yard <laughs> ball with
0: twenty-seven seconds left. It, it's so true, and yet I think the biggest takeaway for me from this game was that Rams' defensive effort because this had all the makings and more of another insane Tom Brady postseason comeback and it almost happened and it probably should have happened earlier when you talk about four fumbles in the span of basically the second half because the fumble at the end of the first half was on the very last play and a missed field goal where, like, fumbles in the craziest ways the snap over the head of Stafford uh, Cam Akers is really escaping a lot of blame today because, uh, A, his injury, and it's crazy that we're still seeing him back, and, B, the Rams end up winning the game. But he goes 24 carries for 48 yards and two fumbles. Like, that's for as many times as he touches the ball, that's about as poor a performance as you can get. And yet they still escape all the criticism because Vaughn Miller, Aaron Donald, um, Jalen Ramsey front.
1: Honestly, Jalen Ramsey, too. The fact that, listen... I get Mike Evans eclipses a hundred yards and gets a touchdown, ends up averaging fourteen point nine yards per reception. But he also he caught eight balls on sixteen targets. Like that's partly on Ramsey. Like yeah. that's a that's a, a a tremendous effort. He only ends up with one pass breakup. I mean, what a lockdown corner!
0: No, it was. A full-on, like, they held Brady to almost nothing for three-and-a-half quarters. And at some point, the team's going to score points when you're giving them the ball back in your own territory. And if we're not talking about this Rams defensive effort and how great they've been all postseason in just two games, of course, we're not talking about the Rams hosting the NFC Championship next week. So hats fully off to that side of the ball because they're the only side of the ball that wanted to win that game in the second half. Stom Brady hanging it up? I don't think so. I, can't, I don't think he can after that game.
1: I think he's so close. The Bucks are going to be not just as good because, you know, Godwin might leave. They might have a couple departures. But, like, he he seems happy. Bucks seem happy. I can't imagine he leaves when he's so close. Von Miller's at the best. It's, you know, he can hate the guys. He, he has every reason to hate the guy. But, you know, for everything that he's achieved, he's one of the best competitors in football. He said this whole time he wants to play till forty five. I know Giselle's nagging him at this point, like, <laughs> go spend time with the kid. She's worried about injury. She's been worried about him getting too banged up since uh, you know,
0: he was tailing off with the Patriots. But like he's he's gotta stick around for one more go. And the the path to the Super Bowl is never going to be more open in the NFC, particularly, and we'll get into this a little bit later on, if Rodgers bolts for the AFC. I mean, that just leaves it wide open for this Bucks team next year. So I agree. I think you reload and just give it one more chance, especially because that is that magic number 45 that he's talked about all along. Now there's another crazy game for us to move to. We're just going to keep cycling through all of them. Niners, Packers, just a game that was won on special teams and lost, frankly, by the Green Bay Packers on special teams. And I wanna save like my real gritty breakdown of the special teams play until my head scratcher. But just another year where the Packers can't get it done in the postseason. This one might be the worst of them all. What went wrong? And I know it's special teams, but let's talk about it. Oh, it's gotta be special teams. <laughs>
1: it's also but listen it's also the fact that for all these head coaching vacancies D'Amico Ryan needs to be hired. Like, the fact that he's he held Aaron Rodgers to, what, 55 yards in the second half? Unbelievable. With this kind of makeshift secondary that he's been handed. We mentioned it last week as well. But, I mean, what a, what a special defensive effort by this team. I, I mean, it's it's beyond me what they were able to do. Uh, and I, I would be remiss to bring up your last point about uh, this might be the worst Packers loss ever. The, uh, there was a Twitter space by Charles McDonald and Justice Mosqueda uh, afterwards, and he ended up ranking all 10 of Rodgers' playoff losses. Uh, and this one goes up as second worst. Uh, I don't remember which ended up being the first. I
0: mean, it's got to be the Brian Bostick one, right? That's that's the only contender in this case, Has I think. Has to be. Has <laughs> to be. But last year's terrible, too. <laughs> last year. I think last year was surprisingly low on the list. It was like six. Oh, I mean, you have the Cardinals one and overtime. It just goes on and on. There's there's an endless litany of these these games.
1: Yeah, I think he said like both Kaepernick losses were four and five or something. Mm. Like yeah, there's too many lists for how good Aaron Rodgers is. Uh, but yeah, what a what a fantastic effort. and this is. I really think this comes down, like we like we said, or like Jackson alluded to. This is really a special teams thing. Look at the look at the field goal, the blocked field goal right before halftime. The whole point of field goal blocking in football is that the team blocking the field goal has more men at the line of scrimmage than the field goal unit has to block. Uh, it's just a numbers game. So the whole idea of field goal blocking is just it's gap blocking it's not man blocking you just block the interior and you create the longest path possible to get to that ball if you watch that play the outermost uh lineman on the left side for the packers ends up getting caught up and blocking the man ahead of him to his outside leaving a gap for niners to just sneak in there if you look at the play, the guy looping around the outside to block the field goal wouldn't get close. If you block this right, like you got to chip them a little bit, but you got to focus mainly on your interior, like the interior position, because that's the quicker path to the ball. And if you're letting field goals up inside, that's poor coaching. That's poor discipline. That's poor blocking. Like you can't, you can't do that. That's going to cost you. Like this is, it's it's fundamentals. Here. Like it's it simply comes down to that. And the, and. Uh, Justice Mosqueda had such, a, had such a deep breakdown of the Packers special teams personnel rotations that have gone on throughout this year. I couldn't begin to list them for you because I'm not as well-versed in the Packers as, uh, as Mr. Mosqueda, who covers them. But just an insane effort for, like, like just an insane effort by the 49ers. But, I mean, like, with all those rotational players getting guys flipped around on the line, like, zero consistency for the Packers and special teams. It's it, in the DVOA formula, it goes uh, four parts offense, three parts defense, one part special teams. But that special teams is absolutely part of the game. Like, you know, you're not going to take a slice of pizza out of a pie and call it a whole pie. Like, it's absolutely a thing that matters. And sometimes it's the most volatile thing in, in, a, in a playoff scenario where it's so close and every inch, every play, every drive matters. You know, you need that one eighth, and and the Packers didn't have. It. And it goes back to what we were saying earlier. The Packers, if you to play, like didn't play a complete game all season. Like, the offense kind of fell apart. They get held to ten points. The defense was, you know, they hold Jimmy Garoppolo to eleven point nine QBR. They get four sacks, they get an interception on them. They only hold him to one hundred thirty one passing yards. Like, you couldn't ask for a lot more from this defense.
0: Yeah, and frankly, the exact same thing happened on the block punt, which ended up giving the Niners their only touchdown of the game. Um, I don't know who the personnel were on that block punt, but I'm just going to shout out the personnel for the Niners on the blocked field goal. You have DJ Jones chopping the arm of the Packers' number 94, their interior alignment on the play, which allows Jimmy Ward to come through the gap. That's, I mean, little things like that are what good teams do that win them games. And the 49ers are so good at overcoming Jimmy G at this point. It's it's really impressive. And you think about how well this Rams defense is playing, and you think about how poorly Jimmy G looks for most of this one, and yet you still cannot count the Niners out because you just know that they find ways to mitigate him. Debo Samuel is just unbelievable. You know, you, you've got a third and seven just at the edge of field goal range to go down and try to win this game, and you just hand the ball to Debo Samuel, who's supposed to be a wide receiver. We all forget that at this point, and he comes through with a nine-yard carry to set up the win. It's just incredible what they've been able to do this year.
1: I will say that the Niners kind of escaped this one, because I think there were points where they started to get a little too cute with the Debo oh, yeah. stuff. Like, I, I get the versatility that Debo Samuels provides you, but you know they're starting to run inside zones with him. Like that's not what he's built for. He's not a legit running back. I get he's a he calls himself a wide back or a an offensive weapon with really no legitimate distinction. But like they kind of like you know special teams what an effort. But they kind of escaped with you know they could have gotten a little too cute. Like you know Kittle hasn't gotten fully activated yet. He's four receptions for sixty three yards, but his longest was twenty four deep only at 44 yards receiving like this offense was really held back a little bit by you know poor play by Jimmy Garoppolo a great effort by the Green Bay defense but I I think this will actually this is a bit of a wake-up call for San Francisco because this will get them this will get them right for LA and this will this you know they squeaked out with a really close one but this ended up being a lot of uh like, a lot of mistakes got highlighted, and I think they're going to have some big corrections in this week heading into L.A.
0: Well, how about the, the play call? I mean, that's the biggest one for me is the, the biggest thing the Niners avoid blame for is the play call on fourth and one at the Green Bay 19 before the drive with the blocked punt. You run the exact same inside zone play to Elijah Mitchell that got stuffed for negative two yards earlier in the drive. And from an execution standpoint as well, Elijah Mitchell could have just bounced that right behind Trent Williams and probably picked up 10 yards, a touchdown, whatever, but he just kind of ran it right up the middle into the wall of Packers defensive linemen. So there's a lot of things that Irish can clean up. I agree with you. Yeah, I I
1: think the next, so we had this first major evolution in uh, fourth down aggressiveness uh, where teams just start to go for it more, but I think the mindset needs to shift. Uh, Even on close, even on close down situations, teams are still leaning on the fact that, like, an inside zone run, a QB sneak, and QB sneaks sometimes do, but, like, teams are still leaning on the fact that, like, these very rudimentary basic plays are going to make the difference for teams, and I think teams are going to have to realize that you're going to need more creative uh, play calling on fourth downs to actually pick up those fourth downs. Because now the defenses know you're going for it, and they're covering the basic stuff. They're they're stacking boxes. They're hogging up, like they're clogging up the interior. I think the next evolution is like now we're just calling real plays,
0: or we could just run more QB sneaks, because <laughs> that's kind of the glitch in the system that still always works. And you think of both big fourth and one stops from Saturday, um, the Titans at the goal line on the two point conversion, and then the Niners on this play. Both could have probably run QB sneaks and picked up that one yard and didn't. So I don't want to leave that off the table. The QB sneak is still, like, statistically the most efficient play in all of football. So I, I think there's opportunity for teams to go to that more. A couple more brief bullet notes from this game to smash through that we love before we talk about Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Robbie Gold and Jimmy Garoppolo after the game. Jimmy G just going up to him and saying, You're a legend. F the Packers. Love that. Love Robbie Gould kicking over the Packers as they come out for their player introductions. I think you just have to hit him, right? Like, if you, don't, if you just let him do that, and the Cowboys, same thing last week with the cheerleaders, like, that's a karma thing. Like, I don't care if you get a 15-yard penalty before the game even stops. You just got to go over there and pop him. I don't, I
1: don't know what the answer is, <laughs> but that is absolutely psychological warfare on behalf of Robbie Gould. What an <laughs> absolute beast. A shout-out to the Bears for cutting Robbie Gould and playing 4-D chess to eventually eliminate the Packers from the playoffs. Because, I mean, what he's been able to do in the playoffs since leaving
0: the Bears is absolutely phenomenal. I mean, lights out by Gould. All right, let's talk about Aaron Rodgers briefly. The last dance, as it were, from the beginning of the season – I mean, how insane does that look in retrospect? Last
1: dance D because he gone. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, I don't understand the pitch that the Packers make to Aaron Rodgers because this is a cap-hamstrung team next year. Uh, Devontae Adams has pretty openly said that he wants to be the biggest... Uh, sorry, he wants to be the highest-paid wide receiver in football. He wants... DeAndre Hopkins money. He wants to get a bag, and it's Packers aren't going to be able to give him a bag because they have to sign Aaron Rodgers first. And the thing is, they have a lot of free agents that are up this season uh, on both sides of the ball. Dave Bakhtiari seems to be in his head about this injury that he sustained. He is not looked the same since returning. uh Even in, like even with his ups and downs on that, I don't understand. The pitch that Packers brass can make to Aaron Rodgers, saying that this is this is going to be an objectively worse team at Week One of 2022 than it was on Saturday night, and I don't understand the pitch that you can make to Rodgers to keep him because this is—he's made one Super Bowl, he has lost multiple. Like this is arguably like we said, this is one of the biggest letdowns of his tenure in Green Bay. It's insane. It's like for the talent that Aaron Rodgers is and say what you want about his his stances and takes. And I will. Oh yeah, we're ready to. But yeah, say what you want about it. He is talent-wise one of the top ten, top uh, top five. Feels like a stretch because he's only made one Super Bowl. But he's he's absolutely one of the best quarterbacks to have played football in the super bowl era in the lifetime of the nfl period uh he de- not deserves but he's earned the ability to get to more super bowls and sometimes he's been let by de- let down by defenses sometimes he's been let down by offensive personnel but this is he's only got so many years left on the shelf and i the, the whole talk of him potentially retiring, he's not walking away after this. Like, he he can't walk away when he's played the way he's played this year, when he probably ends up winning MVP this year on some ballistic. Uh, when, you know, I think Tom Brady should have won it. Uh, you know, I, like, you can make an argument for who whatever, but Aaron Rodgers is absolutely top two, top three quarterback this year. You can't hang it up right now. Same way with Tom Brady. He's just got to move on. There are too many... There are too many teams in the NFL right now with cap space that are close to Super Bowl contention, especially in the AFC, where you just got like you gotta ride it out and you gotta ask for a trade. And then if Aaron Rodgers isn't staying, Devontae Adams is gone. And then that means that Jordan Love is QB one with his best wide receiver being Alan Lazard. And Dawn you, of
0: a New Era. Where do you go with that? <laughs> I mean, oh my god. I We texted back and forth Aaron Rodgers jokes after the Packers lost. Twitter was awesome. on fire. It was awesome. And we probably texted the best things we saw back and forth to each other for 90 minutes after the game ended. But I'm only going to allow myself one Aaron Rodgers joke at this juncture. So, Cale, uh, you say the Packers are hamstrung in terms of their cap space next year. Uh, just let Aaron Rodgers do his own research into that. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's move on that was a, a, there's so much up in the air in Green Bay and I don't want to minimize the pain that their fans are going through but another team going through pain right now is Tennessee because even though this might have been the fourth most riveting game of the weekend it is still an incredible win for the Cincinnati Bengals on the road in the playoffs and a terrible terrible loss for Ryan Tannehill and the Tennessee Titans um
1: Yes. I mean, what can we say? I was going to say, speaking of teams a quarterback away from Super Bowl contention, yeah. I, I mean, listen, this was this was sloppy early. This was a tough game to watch early. It ends up being awesome. It ends up being a really fun game. Uh, Derrick Henry turns out, man, really nothing coming back. Like, you know, had this longest run of nine yards, and I get it's insane to come back from that injury, and it's, it's a testament to how uh, – Absolutely incredible an athlete, Uh, Derrick Henry is for him to be able to come back from that injury. Uh, But I, I mean, this game pretty much falls squarely on Ryan Tannehill's shoulders. There's some play calling decisions I have issues with, like uh, you know, like we mentioned the fourth, the fourth and one Tennessee went through where. They basically just line up Derrick Henry from five yards behind, just say, yeah, run through the entire Bengals' front seven.
0: Yeah, the two-point conversion, just to, to clarify. Yeah. Oh, yeah. At the end of the first half. Sorry,
1: uh, two-point conversion on that one. And then uh, the last drive, I really don't even mind. Uh, listen, they burn. They go from 243 on the clock, uh, and Tannehill ends up throwing the interception with uh, 20 seconds left and they only moved from their own 16 to their own 40 in that span. They were on five plays. But I don't mind that because, theoretically, if you're, st- if you're stacking the deck uh, to lean on a rookie kicker, no matter how, how big the cojones on Evan McFeerless McPherson are, uh, you know that's a decent play. You're just going to burn it out play for OT. Kind of a bold strategy, but I don't hate it. Uh, but this game, this game just falls squarely on Ryan Tannehill. The depth of these receivers is pretty weak as well. Like I mean, I mean Dontrell Hilliard's a wide receiver three. Your tight ends like Anthony Franks was supposed to step up and uh, and replace Johnny Smith this season. He really didn't at all. Uh, like AJ Brown's doing AJ Brown things, but you can't really only lean on AJ Brown. Julio Jones decent effort, you know six sixty two on seven targets, but, I mean, this falls squarely on Tannehill. <laughs> With how resilient that this Tennessee team has been all year, we've talked about it, how, like, they set a record for number of players uh, they've used, uh, or it's, like, number of players to play snaps in a season for a single team. Uh, I think they eclipsed 90 different players, which is, th- how do, like, how are they the one seed? Like, it, it's an incredible effort that they were able to even get the one seed, that they were able to make the playoffs. I get they were playing in the week AFC South, but still. It's, I don't know. This is this is really one. Like, how much work do you do for Tannehill? He throws three interceptions. He has two good weapons. He's got a decent O-line. And, like, the defense is better than we thought coming into the season. But, I mean, like Jeffrey Simmons playing out of his mind, Harold Landry playing really well. Like the biggest letdown is the guy you spend all your money on this season, Bud Dupree, and he still had a you know, couple tackles, a sack, and a QB hit. Like you know, how much more can you
0: ask? Like
1: you're not putting too much weight on Ryan Tannehill's shoulders, and he's constantly letting you down.
0: I agree with all that, except I also do have issues with with the two minute drill that they ran. It was it was like they didn't even care about. Like really setting themselves up for a good opportunity. It was just like they wanted to keep the ball from the Bengals to get it one more time, and they end up giving it right to them because they were so iffy and, and passive and not trying to get themselves down into field goal range. You have A.J. Brown, like... Do the Travis Kelsey thing. Like, send the guy over the middle and just throw it to him and see what happens. Like, they were so tentative on that drive. But at this
1: point, Tannehill had thrown two interceptions. Like, he's playing off. You can't really rely on him. Your run game's not working. Like, there's not a lot. But he ended
0: up throwing an interception anyway, so so why not try? The
1: second you put it on his shoulders, he throws a pick anyway.
0: Uh, I mean... I think the one thing we can both agree on is that Deontay Foreman needs more carries in this game. Like, you have to read the tea leaves at some point with Henry and see that he's not his usual explosive self. Deontay Foreman was explosive in this game. When a guy gets more yards on four carries than Henry gets on 20, at some point, you just got to put him in the game, and, and it doesn't matter what name is on the back of the jersey. Uh, I, I just, the Titans really frustrate me. I think, playoffs.
1: yeah, I think we're, we, you know, we're still remiss. We've talked entirely about the Titans and not about the Bengals in this one. True. (laughs) I get this wasn't Joe Burrow's best game by any stretch, and, you know, it it wasn't the most impressive offensive game for this Bengals, but then let's talk about this defense and the fact that they've been able, like, we've talked about it, you know, a couple times this season already, like we said, but, like, cobbling together this defense uh, through, you know, middle round draft picks uh, between the free agent acquisitions that they've been able to get. Like, they have built a legitimate competitive defense. Like, whether you put it on Trey Flowers or DJ Reader, or Jadobia Woozie, like, Trey Hendrickson didn't have his best game by any stretch, but, I mean, like, just, and like, all around this has been a fantastic defense and a really, really impressive effort for this team.
0: I love to talk gritty defensive efforts where nobody really stands out in the box score because that's when you really talk about teams that put together the right scheme, uh, knew that they were going to be heavily featuring the run, knew that in those fourth and short situations they were going to be leaning on Derrick Henry and just taking it away Three interceptions, each of them by different guys. The the interception by Jesse Bates on the first play from scrimmage just really set the tone in a game where, you know, Tennessee's hosting. Like they have a pretty raucous crowd and that just takes him out of it right from the jump. Uh it was it was a great game, game plan, game execution from the Bengals defense. And you gotta say, you know, Joe Burrow takes nine sacks and hangs in there and you know just keeps on plugging. Like it's not his best game from a box score perspective. But nine sacks is crazy. Nine and you sacks, can't put that is insane. On him. The meme was alive, Gail. the The Penay Sewell versus Jamar Chase meme was suddenly breathing new life. But because they win this game, I mean, they're they're still alive, and the Chiefs don't have a insane pass rush. It's not as good as the Titans' pass rush. It's there's you can't count the Bengals out. Is is just whenever they have number nine on the field, they're they're gonna have a chance in any game.
1: Yeah, and I don't think the Bengals have like I think Chiefs Bengals next week is going to be very competitive. Arrowhead's going to be insane, but I really think this is going to be, you know, it, it's kind of we'll talk we'll talk about it and we'll preview the games later on in this podcast, but like this is going to be one hell of a game between these two, just because like it's it feels like it's going to be all explosive, uh, all explosion. Uh, if Tyron Matthews able to recover from this concussion, because you know. We've seen players come in and out, and we've seen, you know, it depends on severity and it depends on timetables. But, like, if they're missing their number one corner on a secondary that isn't the best, like, this is going to be
0: a barn burner. Bart Scott meme. Can't wait. Let's do game balls. Um, we tend to, I mean, obviously we go along in these podcasts, and we should probably try to save some time in game balls. So in honor of Patrick Mahomes, I'm going to do this game ball in 13 seconds 33 or 44 378 yards three touchdowns no interceptions seven carries for a career high 69 yards nice and a touchdown on the ground what a job Patrick Mahomes what an effort I mean seriously uh, yeah
1: like one of the like he's already put together such an insane resume how do you how do you not give him a game ball it's shocking we haven't mentioned him more this season <laughs> like but he you know He's only gained momentum throughout the season.
0: Yeah, I think there's there's an argument to be made that they were, or at least Mahomes was kind of saving himself for the postseason. Because there were a number of times in this game where he escaped the pocket and took off downfield where I don't think he does that if they're playing the Broncos in October. Like, the, he really turns it on, especially with his legs come this time of year.
1: Oh, yeah. It, it wasn't as egregious as uh, last year where they were straight up, like, Chilling and like saving <laughs> themselves to the playoffs because they knew they could. But I, I mean, this Chiefs
0: team hasn't looked as this explosive all season. It's they're turning it on at the right time. And just for the record, neither of us ever believed that that wasn't in there. And yes, we, I think you especially had some moments of concern early in the season where it's like maybe this isn't the same Chiefs team anymore, but some people may have jumped ship and I'm proud of us for not doing that we knew this was in there the whole time no
1: Byron Pringles absolutely stepped up as as that third weapon and like you know we, we talked about it And before. McKinnon yeah jerk McKinnon just stumbling into what we thought uh we thought Claude Edward G lair would be coming out of the draft like a pass catching back that can really supplement this team like it <laughs> they've had these you know everything's hitting at the clicking at the right time and it's it's shocking to think that
0: there's a there was a world where I didn't think the Chiefs would make the Super Bowl. <laughs> and honorable mentions, of course, to Josh Allen, Gabriel Davis from this game. You just you can't say enough about what they did. But who gets the second offensive game ball?
1: Maybe I'll stick to 42 uh, in honor. Uh, you know, save it. Like Jackson's 13. Cooper Cup. I mean, like Cooper Cup doing the damn thing. Especially, he single-handedly won this game for L.A., especially when the, you know, Cam Akers, like, the Cam Akers fumble, the snap over Stafford's head, like, this was really starting to get out of hand for L.A., and just in that last drive, you know, his route-running ability, his catch-and-run skill set, like, it's it's insane what Cooper Cup's been able to do, the definitive offensive player of the year in my eyes, Uh, as much as I like Jonathan Taylor, uh, I, you know, that offensive line helps him too much, Uh, Cooper Cup is just an absolute freaking monster, man, like... Beating, beating Antoine Winfield just straight up for that 44-yard ball. I mean, what a like, what a what a
0: player! And having a 70-yard ball earlier in the game too. I mean, yeah. there's just Can't nothing else to talk about. Like the guys, the guys playing on a different level. We had a discussion like. Tyreek Hill versus Cooper Cup who's number two right now behind Devontae Adams and I, I like Cooper Cup in that discussion. As explosive as Hill is I just think Cup is so effective in any given down in situation that I have to give him the nod right now. I've just
1: got to see more than one season out of it. He, he's looked absolutely phenomenal. He's catapulted himself into the conversation of top five wide receiver even you know potentially top three wide receiver but I've just got to see more than one season out of him.
0: All right. <laughs> let, us, let us move to the defensive side of the ball. I am going to give mine to D'Amico Ryans because we've established as precedents on this show that you can give a defensive game ball to a coordinator, and I don't see anyone more appropriate. This guy absolutely should be in the head coach conversation, and the Niners just put together a second-half game plan that made one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time look fairly pedestrian on his own home field in elements like it was it was one of those situations where nobody on the 49ers defense had a standout game from a box score perspective but the sum of the parts was far greater than the whole and I just think we have to reward the man in charge for this defensive effort.
1: Yeah this Niners team could look very different next year because I know Mike McDaniels is also getting a lot of pub the guy that looks like he you know bongs and played tony hawk pro skater Two. and went to the warp tour uh but is somehow just a football genius (laughs) like you know between him and demiko ryan's getting some head coaching love like this team could look very different in 2022 but they're riding it right now this is just a fantastic unit and it's you know with the you know caliber of players that they have and the create like it's you know Debo Samuel doesn't look like this on a pedestrian team. Uh, you know, they're not getting this same kind of production out of uh, this level of cornerbacks with a different defensive coordinator in house. I think just as like you know, coaches don't play the game, but they organize it, and I think they deserve just as much credit in this front. As, uh, as the players do, because it, it's absolutely part game plan, part execution of that game plan, and I think the game plan is huge for the 49ers and their success recently.
0: Well, it also speaks to the infrastructure and the roster building they've been able to do too, right? Because last year we would have said the same thing about how different this defense was going to look when they lost Robert Sala, and a few years prior to that you could have said the same thing about them losing Vic Fangio. So they just continue to draft well on the defensive side of the ball, make smart signings in free agency sign smart contracts and get the big guys when they need to and they do the same thing on the offensive side you know Debo Samuel may be the second best athlete on the Niners offense and they have Kittle too so it's it's a really incredible roster that they've been able to build around a decidedly mediocre quarterback in Jimmy Garoppolo
1: yeah on the other end of things from my game ball uh it's really tough to pin one like we said like The Niners was a really big team effort. The Bengals was a really big team effort. Three different guys getting interceptions, the tackles getting spread all around. Uh, You know, the Chiefs, like, no one really directly sort of stepped up. That's a poor way of saying it, but, like, there (laughs) wasn't a big standout for the Chiefs. I've got to go Aaron Donald for the Rams, especially with how beat up that offensive line is between not having Tristan Wirtz, between losing Jedrick Wells, between having a banged up Ryan Jensen. Aaron Donald only had a sack and seven pressures, along with you know a pass deflection, two tackles for losses, you know five total tackles, three QB hits. Like he's kind of doing it all, but it's also what he adds to this. Uh, you know, on that Brady strip sack, they have they're in I think there were thirteen personnel or 03 personnel, where they've got three tight ends on the side of Aaron Donald, just because of how much havoc he's wreaking, and that leaves Von Miller just free on the edge, pretty much, like, barely touched by the left tackle to just come in, strip sack Brady, you know, that's game-changing if they don't snap the freaking ball over Stafford's head. I can't (laughs) can't harp on that enough because what a bonkers play that was. But, I mean, it's, you know, perennial depoy Aaron Aaron Donald continuing to do insane stuff. Uh, I really hope that he, you know, he and the rest of this, Ram's defense can catapult them into the playoffs because the offensive production's enough and I, I you know after the 13-3 Super Bowl loss that he's already got under his belt, like it could be really special what they end up doing.
0: You could probably make a case in any given week. Like, there could be a box score where Aaron Donald has zero solo tackles and zero sacks, and you could probably crunch enough tape to come in here and convince me that he still deserves a game ball. Like, that's just the difference he makes on the inside. So I have no issue with that whatsoever.
1: Yeah, it's just it's just the attention he commands from offensive uh, linemen and just his presence on the field is so intimidating on his own. I mean, it's no wonder he puts up tape of him like, learning how to train with knives while he's playing football because he's you know he's beyond humored at this point
0: well let's move to special teams and we have a lot of options yeah so (laughs) (laughs) if ever there was a week to talk about how much special teams matters this is the one but as i've said we'll save niners packers special teams mayhem for head scratchers and i'll give my special teams game ball to Tyreek Hill because we didn't have a chance to talk about him in offense. And there was a moment in that game where uh, the Chiefs get uh, kind of pinned back and there's uh, offsetting penalties on a punt return and they have the option whether or not to re-kick it. They decide, yeah, let's re-kick it because we're sending our ace in the hole, Tyreek Hill, back there. Something they really just saved for the playoffs because they don't want him to get hurt on a punt return in a meaningless regular season game. And Tyreek Hill, returns the punt for 45 yards to the Buffalo 16-yard line. Now granted I hated the Chiefs play call on third and one that inevitably or that eventually led to the field goal try and still you have to say all three of those points from the field goal ended up mattering in a game that got sent to overtime. So let's let's take this as a lesson Andy Reid. Let's not run direct snaps to Blake Bell with laterals to Jarek McKinnon on third and one when you have Patrick Mahomes controlling your offense. But they got away with it, and the reason they were still able to get points on that drive was because special teams ace Tyreek Hill shows up in the playoffs.
1: I mean, yeah. He's he's, you know. He's a freak. He's the fastest kid alive. Like, it's (laughs) just an absolute menace. Just a real all-around athlete. It's... Mahomes is really blessed. With some he he's Mahomes is a fantastic quarterback, but man, is he blessed with some weapons on this Chiefs team. Uh, my special teams game ball. You know we've really talked about this game very little, and we've talked about this team that won very little. It's got to go, to Avin McPherson. I mean, four for four, longest of fifty four, walk off game winner. Uh, you know, nearly outscores the Tennessee Titans on his own for how uh, this game ends up handing out. Uh, 13 total points on his front. This could also easily go to Robbie Gould. Uh, You know, this could also go to Matt Gay, even though he missed that. I don't think so. (laughs) No, I mean he's injured and and he braved that one out. But this could, you know, a lot of a lot of really good, uh, really good efforts out of this. uh, Like his special team efforts out of this one. But I mean McPherson really stands out just because of how low scoring this game was, how dominant Tennessee's defense was at moments. And listen, if like we said, special teams is very much a part of the game of football, and if you don't, uh, if you don't have it, you can't win these really uh, close, nail-biting games. So hats off to McPherson, and you know, he's helping the Bengals see another day. Also, side note, him basically the, the comment Burrow made after the fact, where apparently McPherson was on the sideline. Once they get the ball back in field goal range, McPherson's just going well. Looks like they're going to the AFC Championship. I mean, the guy's a rookie picked in the fifth round. What what a
0: ballsy dude. I mean, (laughs) oh my god, that's awesome. How many times do we think stuff like that has happened, and then the team just loses, and that story never makes the air? That's that's the the history is told by the winning side, right? Like that oh, was yeah. that was a great moment for sure, but also, you know, and and it could have just as easily made it up. So I, I love love M. McPherson. Love the effort, and you know what? You got to have that kind of confidence to be an NFL kicker. You just yeah, have to. You have to. And um, moving right along into our head scratchers, because mine is special teams related, of course. It is just the Green Bay Packers' special teams game as a whole. It's what loss in the game. You have the blocked field goal at the end of the first half, where, as KO mentioned, the interior blocking was just done completely wrong, utter negligence on their behalf. And then they back it up, doing the exact same thing, making the exact same mistake on the punt block that gives the Niners their only touchdown of the game. And then the cherry on top, of course, is when the Niners go out to attempt their game-winning field goal, Packers send 10 players out on the field. It's just top to bottom incompetence, and we talked about potential Achilles heels of of all these teams throughout the season. The Packers had the worst special teams unit per DVOA, and it wasn't that close, and there are some other really bad special teams units in the NFL, and you just can't be surprised that this came back to bite them where it hurt. Yeah,
1: I mean, when you... When the 49ers are able to win a game, or or any opponent is able to win a game, with only points on special teams, like, something's gone wrong. Something has absolutely gone wrong, especially when you're letting up those points. I I mean, really tough.
0: Yeah, I mean, we've we've kicked a dead horse over and over again at this point, but there really is just, uh, there's no way around it. This is what lost them the game. This is what is going to cost them another phenomenal chance to win a championship with Aaron Rodgers at the helm, and as we've seen, it may very well be their last. So, it merits all of the, it's not even slander because it's true, just all, all the all the dirt we've been kicking on him is, is fully merited. Oh, yeah.
1: My head scratcher ends up being Buffalo's last kickoff. Uh, the kickoff right after they score a touchdown with Gabriel Davis's fourth of the day, 13 seconds left, and they just kick it out the back of the end zone. I, it, no time was taken off the clock, and I get that. You know, 13 seconds—it's for any mortal quarterback and uh, any normal team—that's a you know pretty insurmountable uh, effort. And you gotta lean on your number one defense to actually make a stop in that situation. That being said, Squibb, I understand the logic that uh, you might give them slightly better field position. The uh, offensive—you know—whoever ends up getting the ball for the chiefs will end up you know probably just falling on it but you can't you can't see that as a guarantee like the guy might return it for 2 seconds make a mistake regardless you're burning one to 2 seconds off the clock and that chiefs timeout gets called with 3 seconds left on the clock if you can burn any amount of time if you can burn any amount of time off the clock those seconds are precious and valuable and i get the next couple plays like fold out differently maybe like you can't you can't chalk that up to whatever, but you still have to rely on burning time off the clock, and that's basically the reason you lost the game. You never see, you never saw the ball again after scoring a touchdown with 13 seconds left. You got to give them as little time as possible possible to be able to score, so you can win that game outright instead of it going to overtime. Because like we said, then it's a 50 50 shot. Then you got to earn your possession back, and you know at that point, like you know. Don't allow them to drive 75 yards in eight
0: plays. But, like, you got to burn time off the clock. It's as simple as that. Honorable mention for the Bills, by the way, in the head-scratcher department, which maybe isn't getting as much love just because it happened earlier in the game. But they've made their entire thing throughout their most intense games of the regular season and the postseason. When we get in fourth and short, we're going for it. And nobody's stopping runaway freight train Josh Allen, and then they get to fourth and one on their own 34-yard line in the third quarter, and they just punt it. And it's like, you really trust your defense to stop Patrick Mahomes more than you trust Josh Allen to get one yard? I just, I, I couldn't wrap my head around that one. And then immediately, of course, the Chiefs go down and score the touchdown to give them their first two possession lead of the night. So... A lot of things get lost in the shuffle from over divisional weekend, especially when it's as crazy a weekend as it was, but that one I really had an issue with, and I'm surprised that McDermott wasn't... I mean, maybe I'm not surprised because so much unfolded from that point forward, but I want to give McDermott some heat for that, even if no one else is today.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, you got to make a stop whether it's a 61-yard touchdown drive or a 34-touchdown drive if you miss that. But, but you're
0: not going to miss that, or at least that's, you know, the way you've been operating for the entire second half of the season is, like, nobody can stop this. Nobody has stopped it yet, so why are we just not even giving him a chance to prove that nobody can stop it?
1: Yeah, I get that. It Your own 34 right out of halftime feels like you might be taking yourself too big a hole. I, I'm big on fourth down aggressiveness. I've written about it a lot, but, I mean, It's a little rich for my blood I don't know
0: It's 4th and 1 You gotta go for it When you have Josh Allen When Patrick Mahomes Is on the other sideline I don't care Where you're at on the field If it's 4th and 1 You're going for it That's That's my stance Fair enough Let's do uniforms briefly here. We've got just a jam-packed episode unfolding as we could have expected. Um, I I, I think uniforms are pretty chalk for me this week, especially because Green Bay is done, so we won't have to talk about them again next week. And that Niners-Packers game in the snow was just beautiful. I think my screen on the American Airlines flight I was watching on just had the color balance a little bit down, so it actually looked a little dimmer. But that almost played it out for me. It was like just this winter wonderland of perfection and two absolutely perfect uniforms, one versus the other.
1: Well, last time we're gonna see Rogers in that green, man. <laughs> <laughs> Can't believe it. No, that I mean, God, Niners have such
0: incredible uniforms. Yeah. The Packers and and are I like so classic. I love that it was like metallic gold against you know, Wisconsin cheese yellow. Cheese was yellow. That's, that's yeah. a really good like. It, it, the contrast always works for me between those two teams.
1: Yeah, my uniform game. It feels like this is a pretty chalky week. Uh, Bucks. Bucks. Rams is very contrasting. Feels like a lot. Uh, Bengals. Titans gets a bit of an honorable mention, but I mean, you can't really beat Chiefs. Bills. That, that was. Bills going the all whites. Chiefs going their classic. Uh, you know, reds with the white pants. You can't get much better. Those are the best iterations of their respective uniforms. You can't get much better than that, in my opinion. Yeah. I mean, hats off to them. This is one of the best uniform games of the week by far.
0: And I will say that next week, there are two of us, and there are only two games, so we'll just have to break down both uniform
1: matchups. We'll but... have to like. <laughs> we'll have to have a nice like. You know, structured, you know, Lincoln Douglas style debate about like yeah. which uniform is better. We'll make some more of It's a measured
0: of. discussion, yeah. And then when yeah. we get to the Super Bowl, it's just going to be two minutes of us talking about whichever two teams' uniforms it is, and we'll find a way to make it entertaining. <laughs> Briefly, let us go through, let's just make our picks and get out of here. Uh, Chiefs, Bengals, AFC Championship in Arrowhead. How can you pick against the Chiefs? Do you have the stones to pick against the Chiefs? I send it over to you, my friend. Do I have
1: the stones to pick against the Chiefs? I, I mean, we've talked about it a little bit. The Chiefs' pass rush isn't as strong as Tennessee's front seven. Uh, if Tyron Matthews out, it's going to be uh, difficult to contain all the weapons that the Bengals have on this offense. Uh, Joe Burrow can bounce back from this. Like I see, I see the path. They've already done it once. I see the path. How do you pick against the Chiefs? How do you pick against the Chiefs from playing like this, man?
0: I'm not going to. <laughs> it's as simple as that. I, I, we made our Super Bowl predictions on this podcast a mere two weeks ago, and already three of the four teams that we picked to be in our respective Super Bowls have been eliminated. I'm the only one still standing in there with any hope in the Kansas City Chiefs, so I'm going to continue to ride with them. I actually think they will win the Super Bowl from here on out, and that will probably blow up in my face as well. But in this game, especially given that the Bengals already beat them this year, it feels like a comeuppance of sorts. I feel like they will have something ready for the Bengals. Especially, I mean, they scored at will in the first half of that Bengals game, and then it sort of stalled out in the second half. I don't see that happening this time around. So, love the Chiefs. Let's go to the three-match, if you will, between L.A. and San Francisco as previously mentioned, it is in L.A., and yet you can already sense that San Francisco fans are just going to pack SoFi Stadium. Uh, really excited for this one. Kale. who you got?
1: Just the way that they've been playing. I I, I think the 49ers have really, like, really gotten by by the Skinner of their teeth, like, Special teams, things breaking their way. Like, this is an insanely well-coached team, and it's why they're in this position. They've got a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. That being said, it's L.A. Like, it, just what L.A. has been able to show me. And, and L.A. got out by the skin of their teeth as well. Outside of that last driver, they really, you know, earned their way into a victory and put themselves in field goal position, but almost blown a 27-3 leads. Insane. Uh, but, I, I mean, the Niners, the Niners have arguably been in a bigger position to lose both of their games uh you know just what Jimmy Garoppolo has put up in both of these games against the Cowboys and the Packers it 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 would be an insane path for the Niners to get to the Super Bowl by beating at Dallas at Green Bay at LA uh I've got to go LA though LA's had some there's there's some weird there's something in the air for mm-hmm. me, like like just the amount of talent they've had, Odell's clicking at the right time, Cooper Cup is doing Cooper Cup things. Matt that as long as a ball doesn't get snapped over Matt Stafford's head, I think the defense is too overwhelming for Jimmy Garoppolo to handle. Um, you know, this offense is really starting to click. Van Jefferson, Odell, Cooper Cup, Ty Higby, like this is this is a team that's playing all out, and not just giving the Rams a run for their money twice now. Like it's it's been you know. It's, it's been very close both times in both matchups. I'm just taking both of them. One of them was a blowout,
0: too. It yeah. was 37-16 when it was in San Francisco.
1: That is true. That is true. Kind of slipped my mind. This season's been long, man. <laughs> this season's been so damn long. I've got to go L.A. I've got to go L.A. I
0: I think that the Rams are more likely to win this game convincingly, but my pick is going to be the 49ers. Wow. Because... They've won six in a row in the Shanahan McVeigh matchup. I know that trends are made to be broken, but I'm just riding with them. They've got just something about them this year, the underdog mentality. I think it lasts. I, I think they are the slightly better coach team in, in, you know, all three phases. And I just think if there's a moment where this game swings on, you know, a big mistake by either team. Even with Jimmy Garoppolo on the 49ers' sideline, I think the Rams are more likely to make that mistake. And I think the Niners at this point have just resorted to acknowledging that Jimmy G is going to throw one awful pick in every game they play and knowing that they can still find a way to overcome it. And I just think that as much talent as the Rams have on both sides of the ball, the Niners have all the guys to match up with it. And it's going to be a great game. I just like the Niners. there's, There's no other way to say it.
1: I will say, as analytical and as specific and nuanced as we like to be in this podcast, it just goes to show how weird this football season is where both of our picks for this game just chalk up to, there's something in the air. Like, there's <laughs> something something special. It's, it's an intangible that we can't describe, but that's football,
0: baby. Uh, it's Both of these teams have flaws. Both of these teams have immense strengths, and, you know, the, the star power on the field is absolutely incredible, and I'm looking forward to watching it. We got to get out of here it's just another week where we've truly gone into our bag from a podcasting standpoint and just brought out all the hits and happy that we were able to do this in person again it was a long break away from each other two more weeks plus whatever we do that week between the super bowl and uh the conference championships uh home stretch here Last time we get to talk about, you know, four whole games. Like the football season's almost over. So I'm glad that we were able to get back together for this one because this may have been the week of the year and our potential episode of the year.
1: God, it feels good to be back in the studio with you Jackson. It's been I mean, breaking down one of the best weekends of football all time. This was really really special, man. Like this is what a what a stretch of four games. I don't understand how the conference championships or the Super Bowl could top it. This has been a crazy season. This has been a special year and man this podcast has been fun all the way through.
0: It has. We hope you all love this podcast as well. If you do, give it a like if you're on a platform that has likes. Follow us on Twitter. Find Kale on Instagram. He's got some sweet artsy pics up there. You know, go follow my my mom's instagram she just finished up an awesome art show at sf moma you know just just really blow us up this week it's been a fun time (laughs) (laughs) what a what a list of plugs there i just wanted to i wanted it to be plug season uh we're delirious i'm still on west coast time i'm half asleep great to be back with you we'll be back next week for kale i'm jackson we'll see you next tuesday
1: i